This is the Hammer Horror Podcast. Frankenstein Edition. Frankenstein must be destroyed. Hello! Welcome to the Hammer Horror Podcast. This is our fifth podcast in the Frankenstein edition, where we look at Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. The intro music was supplied by our friends Midnight Syndicate from the album Monsters of Legend. The track is called Building a Monster. I'm joined by regular podcasters Miles Davies and Meredith Murphy. Hello. We'll be casting their views across the entire Hammer Frankenstein franchise. Welcome aboard, guys. Before we begin to delve into the movie itself, though, I'd like to give you some notes about Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. The movie came at a time when filmmakers were raising the bar in the horror genre with the likes of Witchfinder General and Night of the Living Dead. Hammer would decide on a fifth installment of the Frankenstein franchise, in contract with Warner Brothers. Written only a few months after Frankenstein created Woman by Tony Hines, who would resign from the Hammer board over the journey into the unknown fiasco. So that's one of the early uh, forays into the TV industry that they were trying to do, and with hit and miss kind of success and mm-hmm. a lot of difficulties with the um, with the American agency at the time, trying to get it up and running. Um, so in steps Anthony Nelson Keys and Bert, Brat, Bert Bat, excuse me with a completely different storyline and charged with pushing the boat out to keep the horror ante up. Um, The film itself got a lukewarm response from critics but has since become one of the favourites among Hammer fans. But what do the podcasters make of it? Well, as usual, before we cast our opinion, let's delve into the plot. We have the opening credits and there's a man in a cloak walking the streets. He holds some kind of a carrying case. So there's already kind of hints at Jack the Ripper kind of esque stuff going on here. Definite Ripper vibe going on yeah. there, and I am liking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see a doctor walk towards his office door, um, and the cloaked man reveals a scythe-like instrument and swings it back, severing the doctor's head. As you do. Which is suggested by the blood splatter on the office door. <laughs> Cuts to a man trying to break into a house, but is disturbed by the cloaked man. He goes to hide, but finds himself in a laboratory. He knocks over a pile of instruments and sees a frozen body. The cloaked figure senses the intruder and encroaches toward him. It is revealed that the cloaked man appears to be badly burned. A struggle ensues and the robber manages to get away. The cloaked man pulls off the rubber mask that he has been wearing. It is Frankenstein. Is it rubber though? Is it rubber? You see, I was going Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I was thinking Silence of the Lambs too. Yeah. Such a skin suit. (laughs) <laughs> Open to debate. Uh, you're probably more right. I love this movie going really dark. Well, this is a theatrical problem. I mean, Frankenstein's <laughs> been heading that way into dark, darker and darker territory each yeah. time. So who knows? He might have, you know. So what are we? Yeah, what are we thinking about this opening? Like, as we said, it's already hinting at where we're going with this movie. Well, yeah, bring bring the blood and gore on. <laughs> you know, good decapitation of the scythe, and then. Exactly. Skin suit. Sorry, sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say I thought it was a great opening, but it you, it does really show like the mark of the times that the mm-hmm. late sixties they're getting a hell of a lot braver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, pushing the horror boundaries further, and 
and when he pulled that mask off his face, I was actually quite scared, which does not generally happen in a horror, mm. uh, a Hannah horror, horror film, yeah. where I have that moment of, ooh, <laughs> that's really quite unnerving. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was, it was handled really nicely, and we, we've got the right kind of tone for this, and it's been where we've wanted Frankenstein to be heading for, what, the last three installments? And he's finally got there. He's finally got there. Finally turned into the really, really nasty bastard. He has. Well, let's see where it takes us as we delve back into the plot. So he quickly disposes, Frankenstein, that is, quickly disposes of the frozen body in a sewer and makes quick his escape. Uh, the robber um, from the scene is called by the police and is covered in blood. When questioned, they end up going to the lab to investigate further, but it has been evacuated. It is evident that the police believe that a doctor may be responsible. Again, kind of hints at Ripper-esque kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. they thought he was a doctor at the time too. Mm-hmm. A Frankenstein, uh, sorry, Frankenstein turns up at this uh, B&B, um, which uh, is uh, run by Anna, played by Veronica Carlson. Um, she's the patron of the establishment. Uh, there is a scream heard, and a woman struggles from within a mental institute. So we automatically cut from the uh, from the B and B straight into some kind of more shenanigans going on. Um, a lot of this, uh, or the early scenes, centres around this mental assignment that we see. Um, there is a young doctor who's attending to her in an attempt to calm her. Um, he has a syringe filled with something calming, I guess. Um, and there is another doctor in the cell who appears to be quite mad. This is uh, an inmate who is a doctor. Some of the other doctors believe that there is no cure for him. Um, we then go back to the B&B, and the other tenants um, at the uh, establishment are in a lounge, and they are talking. Frankenstein overhears the tenants talk about a doctor that has gone mad in the asylum, um, but has the same scientific approach to Frankenstein, of which Frankenstein's ears doth prick a thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young doctor turns up at the B&B, he drops something on the floor on the way in, and we find that he is actually in a relationship with Anna. Um, we also f- discover that he's helping her with her sick mother and is stealing drugs from the asylum. The young man in question, his name's Carl, then realises that he has dropped those drugs and goes to retrieve them, only to discover that Frankenstein has found the drugs and overheard their entire plan. It's cocaine, isn't it? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So he was against the fact that she, she, he was stealing drugs, or or the fact that because I, I looked at the, the cocaine and that, uh, cocaine is, was legal mm. at that particular time, so yeah. it couldn't have been. It was just, maybe it was just the fact because he was saying he was going to call a narcotics officer on it. Yeah, I think it was actually more because um, he had stolen them from right. rather than attaining them by legal means, so which was his way of. Black maiden. Yeah, and we're starting to hook into them. Yeah. The sweet young couple and Carl's hair. And Carl's hair. It's going to take me a while to recover. Yeah. Um, So then Frank Son, as I said, blackmails Carl and Anna to help him and his science experiments. Part of the agreement is to get rid of the tenants, which Anna does. So much to their disgruntled. Um, Which was quite yeah. amusing watching all the medical boffins being packed off yeah. into the night. I remember this was fun for <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, inspe- uh, the inspector has discovered that some medical equipment has been stolen in a nearby town and suspects that the killer is at the root. In one such place, whilst attempting to steal some medicine, Carl kills the night watchman. 
which makes him give in to Frankenstein's demands. So not only is he done for blackmail, but now he's murdered somebody. Which, which oops, a daisy, I was carrying a knife. <laughs> you know, but then he looks quite sort of confused about that having gone down. I'm like, yeah. Carl, baby, you surely knew what you were packing <laughs> away. You, you bring a knife to a, a, uh, a burglary. That's right. What do you expect? Yeah. More for him. Um, so then uh, Carl demands to know who Frankenstein actually is. Um, which he reveals, albeit with a hearty backslap across Carl's face. Frankenstein tells Carl that he needs his help to break out the mad doctor from the asylum and cure him. Frankenstein needs the mad doctor as he had discovered the way to freeze the brain and resurrect it without any harm coming to it. That old chestnut. That old chestnut is still, still barking up that tree. The inspectors discovered the body of the night watchman, so this is another scene later, so he's slowly kind of... Uh, following these events as they're uh, occurring, always on the on, on the trail, um, Carl has to switch the roster at the asylum so that he can sedate the screaming lady. He tries to sedate her, but he's interrupted by the head doctor, who tells him not to. So obviously we know that's going to. She's got a great scream. She's got a great scream. I was so impressed. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually her screaming or whether that's uh, dubbed over, but yeah, it was um, pretty impressive. Um, later that night, Frankenstein arrives at the asylum to break out the mad doctor. The guard sleeps, but they manage to steal the keys. Frankenstein gives the guard a hefty chop on the back to knock him out, which I thought was hilarious. That was just gold. A karate chop, and yeah. down he was gone. True. Out for the count. Oh, was like Batman, <laughs> Adam West style. Um, the Come on, it was even Christian Bale levels. Yeah. Now we're going on. <laughs> Beyond the 60s. Um, the mad doctor in question, when they go into the cell, appears to be afraid of Frankenstein. He causes a fuss and the screaming lady goes off on one. There is a struggle to get him free without being found as the guards discover the, the scene and release the hounds. Anna, however, waits nearby with a horse and carriage and they all make a fast getaway. The inspector goes to visit the mad doctor's wife and deduces that Frankenstein may be behind these foul dealings. On a side note, I was just going to say, this is probably, out of all of the Hammer films and all of the Hammer Frankenstein films, the most savvy detective we've encountered thus far. Yeah. It's actually quite... Not a bumbling... Yeah, which I would say I enjoyed, but I digress. No, 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 it's all good. We'll we'll talk about who who that person is down the track, but you're right. We're actually getting a savvy uh, inspector that's on the case and following it with intent. Um, Now... (laughs) This is where uh, things start to go awry. Um, the mad doctor, meanwhile, has had a heart attack and will die, so Frankenstein hatches a plan to remove the brain and transfer it uh, into the professor's, uh, so who's one of the head doctor from the previous scene. Um, Anna awakens in the night and discovers Frankenstein and Carl are in the middle of the aforementioned plan. She goes to bed and as she does so, Frankenstein spies on her. He advances and locks the door behind him. He then forces himself upon her. That was horrible. This, yeah, this this rape scene was actually added right at the very end of the picture. Uh, so they'd already shot everything in order to boost the appeal factor. I didn't know appeal factor there. Mm. See, I was watching it and, and I was watching it at work and I was really quite 
uncomfortable yeah. with it going on in, in on the screen yeah. with yeah. people in the background. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, this looks really wrong, it, and yeah. it just it just felt really wrong as well. It really reminded me of another very wrong rape scene, as all rape scenes are wrong. <laughs> yes. um, in Marnie, where um, Sean Connery. Yes. Yeah. 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 It really That's reminded me of gone. that because there was something about the way they were moving, and it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Fast grabs and that it was just this intense, you yeah, know, working and yeah. and you don't see any, you know, you don't see mm. anything happen. No, it's actually almost more confronting, yeah, isn't that just yeah. the way forces are down and then that's you know, they cut. I think it was just the, this the moment that I just kind of went Frankenstein is just fucking evil yeah. basically it, yeah. it, is, it is the point where it tips over yeah for sure yeah and I had no sympathy left for him after no. that the that. whole dynamic between them after that point mm. where it's just like you know get me my breakfast coffee and yeah. like just that he is so cold the, the, the previous Frankenstein where you had a bit more sympathy yeah, yeah. Of, okay you're an innovative doctor you're mad as a cat snake but you know there is a bit of a heart there. Yeah. Not a there's nothing. Thing. Yeah. That was it. It was just the end. You just wanted to see him go. Like. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He he definitely had stepped over that kind of. I mean, he was he, he's an evil bastard anyway. But that there's that's just a diff, that's just a different uh, category of evil mm. in that. Um, you know, both Carlson and Cushing objected to the scene's inclusion, and Cushing would even venture to apologise to Carlson for it afterwards. Mm. I think because it, it does have that gratuitous element that mm. this was never part of, of... Of course, people took the original Frankenstein tale and ran with it, but mm. there was never any, you know, actual sexual assault, mm. rape element to the story before, so no. this seems to be a sort of dragging in. Oh, How yeah. can we make him even more dark? Which but it works, really and, and it's a thing. It works, yeah. it, it works. makes you feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, like you question what it would, what the film would be without that scene. Mm. Like, would we be would still he? having that reaction to him through the latter scenes? Mm. It def- definitely does put him in a completely different light. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, as as awkward as it is to watch it, mm. um, yeah, it does put a new spin on the film rather than yeah, definitely, definitely. That's right. It goes goes dark. So yeah. interestingly, though, the scene was actually cut. Uh, from the film when released in the US so I'm not sure why that came about but it was mm. um, you would have thought it would be more targeted yeah, yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> um, anyway back to the uh, back to the plot the inspector has meanwhile set up a search uh, for the missing doctor and has arranged the newspapers to print the story the next scene is the brain transfer sequence which is successful they, they then bury the body of Brams the mad doctor in the courtyard um, and Frankenstein coldly asks Anna to make his breakfast which mm. we were mentioning about mm. so just very callous and yeah very cold and removed um, Anna discovers the police are searching all the houses um, in, in the next scene and warns Frankenstein and Carl the police turn up and search the premises they have the house made up to look like it's in the middle of being decorated after examination, they declare the place clear and leave, but not without Anna having to lie about not having a cellar. Which is crucial, because obviously if they went down there, they'd find lots of stuff going on. Lots of bubbling Yes. All brought by Peter Cushing <laughs> and his display of bubbling lab equipment. Flasks. Yes. Oh, you can, yeah. can never not have too many flasks. Mm. It's like a Bunsen burner. Oh, the old Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, so in two days' time, we, we are told that the process will be complete. Um, 
And this, at this point, Dr. Brand's wife spots Frankenstein and uh, on the streets, and she feels she recognises him from somewhere. Um, suddenly in the courtyard at the same point, uh, the water main bursts right where Dr. Brand was buried. A hand is then thrust from the ground and Anna quickly hides the body in the bushes. Awesome scene. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lots of drama and tension mm. for it. And I thought um, Veronica was really good in that. It's showing kind of panic and yeah. um, and you really feel for her at that point. Of like you know, you're you're in the middle of this shit basically. Mm. But also out and out horror again. You know, the hand emerging yep. from the from the ground. That's right. <laughs> Moving up in the world. Yeah, so they're certainly certainly kind of ticking the right boxes on the, on the scare factor. Uh, Doctor Brown's wife um, in in the next scene then finds an old newspaper clipping with a cartoon of Frankenstein and her husband. And she believes that the man she saw was Frankenstein. So she's also someone else that's trying to piece things together a bit. Um, slowly, Dr. Brand awakens from his surgery. Um, and Dr. Brand's wife arrives at the same time. I think, does that work? No. Just in the next scene, Dr. Brand's wife arrives and asks if Baron Frankenstein is there. A failed attempt to get rid of her leads Frankenstein to reveal what he has done and declares her husband is now sane. Frankenstein leads her into the cellar so that she may see her husband, who conveniently is bandaged up so she can't see the fact that it's physically not him. He's gone through a change. He's gone through a change, yeah. Um, and, um, and there's all these various implements and stuff that's surrounding him too. Frankenstein uh, then gets the wife, her name's Ella, to communicate to her husband, and, um, and they do so with him lifting his, his hand in recognition of her voice. Um, once she's gone, Frankenstein gets Carl and Anna to pack their things and leave, taking Dr. Brandt with them. They're just getting the hell out of there. And the next day, Ella visits the house to find that it's abandoned. She calls the inspector to the scene with the police, where they discover the dead body of her husband. Frankenstein, um, Carl and Anna then take refuge in an old abandoned mansion. Frankenstein is with Dr. Brandt and is hoping to find the information that he's been seeking. Carl and Anna plot their escape. Dr. Brand begins to awaken and panic as he realises what Frankenstein has done and looks in the mirror to see the reflection of the professor. Anna goes down to where Dr. Brand has been resting to steal the vials in order to, to determine when he should awake, only to discover that he already has. Dr. Brand says he means her no harm, but frightened, she, she tries to run away, falls and produces a knife as he advances, then stabs him. Dr. Brand then struggles up the stairs and makes his escape. Meanwhile, Carl is ready in the horses, so it's all happening. Meanwhile, Carl is ready in the horses in the stables, but is discovered by Frankenstein, and another struggle ensues. Carl is overpowered and knocked unconscious. Frankenstein then returns to the house to discover what Anna has done, and in a fit of vengeance, he turns the knife on Anna, killing her, which is what a horrible, pretty horrible shocking scene man. again. Yeah. It, yeah. it was one of those ones where you're like, surely the young couple, you know, we'll in, it, yeah. in, the, in the more yeah. sort of romantic, younger, yeah. naive days of Hammer, yeah. surely the young couple will, you know, in the end, at least escape and live happily ever after, but no, no. not a scary concern. Yeah, it was a real tragic moment too, because of everything that Anna's gone through, yeah. uh, leading mm. up to this point, you know. Just, you wanted there to be some sort of relief yeah. for, the, for those two that, that that's right. sort of pushed a breaking point and you wanted them just to come out well on the other side. Yes. 
but not to be. Dr. Brandt, meanwhile, uh, tries to make his way to a surgery to fix himself up. After doing so, he then proceeds to his old house to visit his wife. He breaks into the house and goes to the bedroom to see her. He fights his emotions as, as she sleeps. In the morning, she awakens to find a letter addressed to her. Dr. Brandt tells her that he is her husband. He also mentions that he's become a victim of Frankenstein's experiments and that his brain is inside someone else's body. Creepy. Uh, he's doing this from behind the uh, screen as well at the time, isn't he? So he's kind of talking to her. Mm. Um, he tells her that Frankenstein will come and seek the formula that only he knows. As Dr. Brandt arranges things for Frankenstein's arrival, Anna... Anna? No. <laughs> Ella, isn't it? Her name? Ella. Ella tries to escape, but faints when she sees Dr. Brandt. Dr. Brandt proceeds to pour fuel around the house, um, so he's definitely plotting something. Mm. And as Frankenstein arrives, Brandt allows his wife to leave. Brandt then plays a game with Frankenstein, turning the table. He sets fire to the doors, barricading him and Frankenstein inside. Brilliant. Carl then arrives, but he's... Oh, sorry, you want to mention that? No, it was just brilliant. It was just what was great watching this. Just yeah. This like, guy just fucking with, the, with Frankenstein. Oh, it's basically. great. Like, cause at last. Yeah. Up to this point, like, you're presuming it's going to be Carl that's going to... Because, mm. like, you know, who else is left? But, of course, there's the monster, the creation. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Brand slash the professor. Um, yeah, it's just barricading him in and setting fire to the place. Um, Carl does arrive, but he's, he's shot by Brandt as he enters the house. At this point, uh, seizing his chance, Frankenstein heads for the study where Brandt has written on a document the formula. He grabs it um, and then sets fire to a piece of paper, then stabs Brandt in the face with it, which was, I thought was a bit It was strange. a bit of a lame <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying like, to get away. You know? I was like, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> anyway, he, he then, Frankenstein then manages to run out the front door um, which kind of wondered why that wasn't on fire anyway. But uh, yeah. you see, I thought it was already on fire. Yeah. That's why I had that moment of rewind. Yeah, because even Carl—that's the way Carl comes in, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. technically, yes, there is an opening. But then, how did Carl get in? Anyway, um, magic. his magic. Um, With his magic hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Frankenstein gets out the front door, but he's then prevented from fleeing by a wounded Carl. A fight breaks out, but Brandt separates them and drags Frankenstein back into the burning building. Close credits. Love yeah. Fantastic. So, very, very quickly, what did we? Um, what are our initial reactions to the movie? Best of the franchise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I hated that. Yes, I just it's solid pretty- script. You may have influenced. <laughs> no, it was a solid <laughs> script, and it was just brilliant performances. I mean, Freddie Jones was just amazing. So, it was just, so just good. The, the 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 revenge scene where he's just in there yeah. is just it was it was gold. I, I don't think I've seen him as good as as, as he was in this. Well, let, let's. I mean, we um, we're all kind of saying that it's a really a good version of mm. solid script so solid performances throughout too mm. well um, shot great production design mm. everything really, really came nice. together yeah, yeah. like for the first time they had yeah. enough time they had enough money yeah. they had you know they hit the ball out of the park oh, for sure. and interesting too because they were challenged to kind of go in a different direction with Frankenstein mm. because they were stuck in that formula that we yeah. had become used to and this was their answer, and you know, and I, I for one thought it was it was a, a really good turn. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about well, let's go into the players of the piece, but rather than start with Cushing because we've already started talking about Freddie Jones, mm-hmm. um, he plays Professor Richter in this 
kind of, and then he's almost, well, he's playing two roles. We yeah. see him at the beginning as Professor Richter, just very kind of run-the-mill kind of job. He's the guy in charge of the, um, the asylum. But then we see his transform transformation, and that's when we really see how lucky they were to get Freddie Jones. Yeah, um, we're big, I think we're big fans of him. Anyway, yeah, no, I love him from um, David Lynch stuff. He was also like he's currently playing. I, at the time of looking this up, I don't know if it's still the case. He was uh, currently playing Sandy Thomas in Emmerdale. Huh? Um, <laughs> he was known for playing Claudius in uh, like a 60s, 70s, like late 60s TV show called The Caesars. Um, it was in The Elephant Man, June, mm. Bold at Heart, um, from the Lynch kind of era. Mm. Um, was also in Far From the Madding Crowd, was in Kroll, was in yeah, Young Sherlock classic. Holmes, which I've mentioned before as well. Yeah. I love, love, love that movie. Fanboy glow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Eric the Viking as well, which yeah. I wasn't aware of. Um, which is great. <laughs> but it would be his monster in this movie that it falls to to rid the world of Frankenstein. Mm. Um, and as we said, like he's turning performance, he's turning as uh, playing Dr. Brandt in the body of the professor mm. was so painful to watch uh, in a good way. Yeah. You just really see this man break down. Oh, he's um, completely like torn apart inside. Yeah. Amazing yeah. performance, but yeah. also a really interesting take on the creature that for once yeah. it wasn't some sort of adult, you no. know. Mind dead. Yeah, mind dead. It was this yeah. crisis of this yeah. intelligent man, you know, cured in some respects from the problems he had before, but in yeah. his new body, and yeah. I found it really interesting that scene played out with his wife and yes. the behind the screen, yes. I just mm. like, yeah. sitting back in my chair go, wow. He, this is, he, like, this the, key, the key really is, he does it in a subtle way, mm. it's not overplayed, he mm. just is, it just delivers it to, to a perfect T. Um, yeah, I just thought it was, and that scene in particular was, was, was really good. Mm. And just seeing him just kind of really turn the table. I think that was it. It was just, you said subtle. And I don't think I've ever seen Freddie Jones being subtle in anything. No. And this was like the, yeah, the moment. <laughs> the moment. And it was actually, it was so perfect. Yeah. They kind of went, man, he was a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. He was just completely over the top in all the Lynch stuff. That's man. right. Yeah, he's great. But... A bit of a mentally Yeah, of yeah, but that, 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 that works. So for him, so yeah, yeah but yeah. no, really, really well done. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's look at the other people in it. Then, um, so let's start with Peter Cushing playing Baron Frankenstein mm -hmm. again, reprising the role of Frankenstein. We've look, we've talked about um, how this this uh, version of Frankenstein is a lot darker than mm -hmm. what we've seen before. Mm -hmm. I'm even even more so than when we first see him in, in the very first Frankenstein film. Um, Nelson Keyes would write of the character of Frankenstein that he was a man who would charm the pictures off the wall and yet use that charm for his own ruthless ends. And I think we really see that in this movie. It's the epitome of psychopath, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny, like, there was virtually no character to him. He was just this... It's, you yeah. know, it was like he was like the shark in Jaws. It was just a killing, or a, like a scientific killing machine. That's right. Basically. Just one purpose. Wasn't and it? yeah, anything that anything gets in the way that gets in the way, know, or just, could aid him mm. getting to that result. And there was yeah. absolutely nothing redeeming whatsoever. No redeeming no. characteristics about him whatsoever. No, and I don't think I've ever been that terrified of Peter Cushing before. Mm. No, I've always no. had mm. a bit more of that little warm spot still there going. Well, yeah, even in Star Wars, though. he was a bit more, you know, yeah, like... But <laughs> <laughs> you hard bastard. Yeah. Well, he's, that, he's, he's always got that kind of 
uncle fill about him. Yeah. Oh, uncle was very, cool, which again, yeah, no uncle. Acting chops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Um, I just wanted to add something else too, like in, in the notes that I, I was reading as well, is that he, Cushing had suggested that Frankenstein was potentially a forerunner to uh, South African surgeon Christian Bernard, who, um, who actually uh, performed the world's first ha- um, heart transplant in 1967. The, the patient in question would actually die 18 days later due to pneumonia because the body couldn't handle all the new kind of uh, diseases that were coming into the body. But Barnard would actually perform eight transplants in total. Um, The longest living heart recipient survived for 23 years after surgery. So the reason he's naming him is because this is what he's talking about. Is like, uh, at the time, heart transplants were unheard of. This is somebody that um, kept pursuing the the transplants in order to, you know, carry, carry through the deed. Um, and prove its success and say that this there is a genuine need to do this and it will work. Mm. Yes, he failed in, in the leading up to that. Um, so he's he always identified Frankenstein as a similar kind of event that he has this thing in mind that you know he what he's doing essentially is transplanting the brain into a, another body um, to kind of create life and you know that was a the early medical sort of medical. Feel basically. Yeah. I've been watching this show called The Nick, which is the new Steven Soderbergh yeah. um, show, mm-hmm. and it's all set in like 1910, 1913, or something. And mm-hmm. it's um, it's set around the Knickerbocker uh, Hospital in New York. Yeah. And it starts off where they're they're trying to the Clive Owen's trying to perform. Oh, uh, Matt Frewer and Clive Owen are trying to perform a um, cesarean yeah. section, and and they they lose both the the woman and the child in the mm-hmm. surgery and they're like oh not again yeah, yeah. it's like they will get it right one day but they just they just that's and, and that's where it started like yeah. you did it did it did it did it until he, until you get it right and so the, what, even like a hundred years ago they were still like killing people in, on the operation oh, yeah, yeah. just just because they hadn't the actually perfected the art of any of this yeah like transplants is still uh, that they're not they're not 100% no. they're, they're, um, I think it's often more of an art than a science mm, yeah. all the different factors coming into play it's not a cut and dry you're dealing with a yeah. you know perfectly healthy specimen and there's you know three steps you follow and Bob's your uncle yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, so yeah. That's a friend right. of mine um, her, her husband had um, lung a uh, lung transplant uh, a couple of years ago yeah. and then last year he got an infection and he basically just he almost was just like that close to death yeah and he lost both his legs and uh, all of his fingers because the circulation couldn't yeah, get around yeah, yeah. there and it was just it was, that was just what that's just what happens he was lucky that he didn't die yeah but yeah it's still but like it's so hit and miss yeah exactly yeah there's no yeah. you know definites there's nothing definite no that's right and so if you then um, um, bring that into the mind of Frankenstein mm. who's been bent on trying to succeed this it's no wonder that he's become more and more mad as mm. we, we mm. see it because he's just got one goal in mind and this, in this movie that's what we see it's just got and one and you can imagine the doctors around that like in the early days of yeah. just were just having to do the same thing over and over again and it not yeah. working and it not working and it, by theory like these things are supposed to work <laughs> but any kind of little thing will just throw it out and yeah. it's just uh, drive you mad that you'd have to have mm. though to maintain that you know I am so invested in you know what I believe theoretically should work on the human body and to be able yeah. to just repeat the same procedure again and again and see death after death 
know, you're right, that's yeah. It's crazy, it's like a godlike, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's godlike. Yeah. Someone who is so narcissistic, such mm. a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. But also quite brilliant at the same time. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he, he transfers the brain. Look, he got it right. He got it right in this one and it actually worked. And like, yeah. that's always the hook with Frankenstein, mm. that, you yeah. know, he gets so many things right. He does this amazing piece of mm. medical, you know, witchcraft, yes. we could call it. Um, but, yeah. But it's all against people who don't want these things to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't want my brain to happen. No. <laughs> which um, feeds in one of the next films where there's a lovely numbering system, which I... Oh, uh, yeah. We will get to <laughs> We will get to <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, without doubt, I think Cushing kind of plays this really well too, like to, to kind of turn away from the uncle to mm. uncle-like figure to this kind of really soulless... Evil bastard is a good term. Mm. Um, joining him uh, was again Veronica Carlson coming in to uh, play Anna, and she also starred in um, Frank, uh, along with Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, was in the movie we just were mentioning, the, uh, the follow up to this, The Horror of Frankenstein. Um, she was also in uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave as well, which I think you and I spoke about, uh, another Freddie. Francis. Oh, okay, that might be it, yeah. Um, so um, so she became actually uh, one of the best loved of uh, Hammer's leading ladies just with those three films alone. Um, she was uh, spotted by James Carreras from a photo printed in the Sunday Mirror of her hey. in a bikini on the front page. My I God. bet she was. In a yeah. newspaper? Surely yeah. she was fully clothed. No, no. Oh. I know, it's unheard of. So no one hacked her phone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Um, look, I I think I've actually I've discovered I think I have a soft spot for Veronica Carlson because I seem to remember that I really liked her in Dracula's Risen from the Grave, and I think I mentioned that being my favourite of the Dracula movies, and I really liked her performance in it, and I really liked her in this. Again, she's a, the wounded uh, female character in it. She played it. She was yeah. good. Yeah. For, for for that character trope, she yes. pulled it off. Yeah, she did. No, she and she's likable. She is. Yeah, she is likable in it, and she's the one. Uh, I guess well, well, one of the the few kind of human characters. Well, she's really the one that you have the most in- investment with. Like, I yeah. think her and Ella, and you know the creature yeah. as well. Yeah, um, that's right. They're the real hearts of the that's story, exactly and in her it. case, you know, she isn't the one that you know. It's just been this horrible series of unfortunate events, yeah. which is. Led her, yeah, you know, to be hooked into this Frankenstein, yeah. you know, crazed plot, and that's right. She just... goes through, and then to be so brutally dispatched mm. at the end when you're just waiting for the no, just escape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many tragic elements to this movie, like really kind of, and I think that's what really grips us going along. There's like mm. nothing really goes right at all mm. throughout it. Um, her her um, her partner in this is uh, Dr. Carl Hulst played by Simon Ward. Um, now, he made a name for himself on the theatre scene it, um, for Joe Wharton's played Loot, really launched ah. his career. Um, he also played Winston Churchill in Young Winston when that was on. And um, um, James Harriet in one of my favourite um, British movies, the seven, was the 70s? Yes, 70s. Yeah, I love the TV show, All Creatures Great yeah. and Small. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, um, and But the movie itself was far better than the TV oh, series. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think they I used to show... I the credits playing through my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
They used to play the movie all the time. Like I think it was every Christmas or every Boxing Day or something. They used to play all creatures. So that's that's sort of like small. Yeah. Easter is Milo and Otis. Yeah. For you in the UK. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, all creatures great and small. They always turn out the same ones. Yeah, like, yeah. Grace would be one of the. Yeah, movies. yeah. And um, yeah, but the, the, I, I, I watch it every time. So yeah, it's a good good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Um, he was also in. Um, he played the Duke of Buckingham in the in the uh, Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers mm. movies. So that's the one with Oliver Reed. It's the Richard Lester ones. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They were great. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. Um, and more even, well, well, he was also in um, Supergirl playing Zor L. Yeah. So it's the father of Supergirl. <laughs> Strange. I haven't seen, haven't that, seen that one. Now. I saw that in the cinema. It's, I loved it. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to touch to Helen Slater after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, more recently, though, he, he was uh, Bishop Stephen Gardier in the Tudors uh, yeah. series. I thought mm. I knew him in something. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And his hair is a bit flatter. Just yeah. it, was, it was just quite an amazing late 60s style oh, yes. moment happening there which Absolutely. again I, I love that about these films it's how it's like oh yes we're in the Victorian era with the heavy heavy dollar 1963s yes <laughs> indeed indeed um, also um, well, with Carl though like um, he's the one that's really kind of under the thumb of Frankenstein mm. and that is his purpose in this movie it's, it, he's the he's the way that in was basically um the tool that Frankenstein needs to get what he wants mm. and he gets it through Carl um, and you know when Carl kills that person in, in the um, in the uh, chemist or you know, place um, that that's the turning point for him he can't go beyond that there. so when you really look back at the movie he was always doomed to not be able to prevent Frankenstein it was always out of his hands so yeah he, I mean his performance in this is a bit um He's good. I like him. And he's always pretty solid in, yeah. in everything that he does. Like exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen him so many in so many different things over the years. Like he was pretty much just pop pop up in everything. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. Now I've written. Um, I don't know if I've made a mistake here, but I, I can cut it out if I have. Um, I've written here that. Um, Thorley Waters is playing the inspector in this. Is that right? He's somebody. Yeah. Was he? So he's the. Um, so he's been in a lot, a lot of Hammer films. Yeah. He was in the Phantom of the Opera. He was in Dracula, Prince of Darkness. And he was, he was in the in previous one. Previous one, Andrew, yeah. That's what I was like, as Dr. hang Hicks. on a minute. He was in Vampire Circus. <laughs> Wasn't he a drunken guy in the last one? Drunken yeah, Carl? Yeah, yeah, and that's then, right. And then suddenly he's like the police inspector. He so is. Like, he, also, yeah. um, he also played Dr. Watson in four unrelated Sherlock Holmes films and some of the Centrinians films, which I think I mentioned in the previous Ooh. movie. Um... But as you said, in this one, he's no longer a bumbling doctor. He's a drunken doctor. He's, which was, which was he's nice. a bit. It gave it a bit more pace to yeah. me somehow. That rather than just being, you know, this hapless inspector or mm-hmm. sort of uh, hanging jury, sort of ready to just go, oh, you know, with the previous film, like yeah. ah, let's convict him, yes. type of thing. It, at least with this one, there was more of a sense of urgency and chase, and mm-hmm. you know, Frankenstein actually sort of he goes on the run pretty damn quickly, yeah. which has never happened. No, that's right. Always a bit well. Ha, ha, ha. Well, that's the thing. In previous films as well, Frankenstein's always been in the one place, but here he's having to constantly move, um, which adds to the tension too, because you're following him on that chase. Um, I mean, he does play a bit of a Hollywoodist. Does do a bit of a bumbling kind of routine mm. within it. You know, he does mm. constantly yeah, do a few yeah. things wrong within it. Um, I'm jumping ahead, but he's got the the police doctor is almost like the the aide 
Luke kind of, mm. you know, he's often doing the whole rolling the eyes routine. Yeah. During it. He's played by uh, Jeffrey Belden, yeah. who played Cat Weasel. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, the Crow Man in Words of Gummage. Words of Gummage. Like, probably, um, yeah. Again, miles. they're having one. <laughs> yeah. I used to love Wizard Gummidge. I, I fucking love Wizard Gummidge. I've always wanted one of my lifelong dreams is to make the modern version oh, film of Wizard Gummidge, but the dark, dark oh, version. Like, nice. you know, when they went to uh, New Zealand and they had the Maori um, yeah. scarecrows? Yes. Like, that sort of territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really nice. dark territory. But yeah, I love it. Interesting concept. Mm. Like I was because just reading that, and I know we're kind of going off tangent a bit, but just reading what the words was of kind of just made me realise how good that show was, mm. and that it probably is due to have somebody have a look at it a remake, yeah, do something different with it. Because I mean, it, it, they they d- dumbed it down. Like I had a couple yeah. of books, and um, and they dumbed it down to make it a bit more kid friendly. Yeah. But yeah. it really is quite dark. Like the but whole take the decapitating them, his taking his heads off. <laughs> replacing the heads and then he had this arch enemy which was just this evil character like yeah. Scarecrow yeah that's right and he was always sort of this it's love lord sort of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. where's all gummage so yeah, good yeah, yeah it's cool the, I love the crow man the crow man was cool and cat weasel as well cat weasel was great show yeah um, so Jeffrey Baldwin also played um, oh, sorry he turned down both the first and second Doctor incarnations of Doctor Who which I was not sorry um, he would actually appear in the Doctor Who franchise mm. later on as Organon in the Creature from the Pit and in um, oh, I thought he was in another one too I haven't written it down there I'm pretty sure it was two times he cropped up um, he was also in the 1967 Casino Royale and would be in another Hammer um, product Journey to the Unknown episode The Last Visitor um, but yeah look, his role in this is a, bit, mm. is a bit lesser but as I said he's there to kind of be the one that uh, I guess gives the Wally Waters character something to bounce on because he's the, the solid one within it. Um, talking about the, the police establishment, the police sergeant is somebody that people might know from <laughs> British screens, Windsor Davies. Um, he played the battle sergeant Major Williams in It Ain't Half Hot Mum and in numerous carry on films, um, well, a couple of carry on films. He was in Carry On Behind and Carry On England. Um, Never the Twain as well. <laughs> that's right. Right. I love that show. Him and Donald. Just that unique way he spoke. Which leads on to like Very the voice in Welsh, the, yeah. Terror, Terror Hawks as well as um, I don't know if you remember Terror Hawks. It was like the answer about? to um, Thunderbirds. It was the one with the rolling balls. Oh, and oh yeah, yeah. And he was the voice of the, oh, the main that's ball. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was again also was in Doctor Who um, and mm. Evil of the Daleks uh, and according to Wikipedia he auditioned for the voice of the speaking clock but I don't think he got it but, but that really strong and, yeah. gruff Welsh accent <laughs> yeah I can't, can't picture that but there you go um, he shouts you the, 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 the time basically <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to do his voice yeah um, the other person we should mention about on the acting front is um Maxine Audley, who played Ella Brandt. Um, she's a, a, a veteran at theatre actor of the Old Vic and the RSC, uh, was in about over, well, over 20 films, among them Mrs. Stevens from Peeping Tom, which I'm looking mm. again miles at. Yeah. One of my faves, yeah. yeah. I was like the old oh, I recognise that. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, she, as you were mentioning earlier, she um, is another one of these characters within the film that has a lot of heart, and mm. you do feel tragically sorry for her when she's confronted by a stranger with the mind of her husband. 
Um, the director again was uh, Terence Fisher, coming into the Frankenstein, um, and uh, yeah, hats off as we said to him for um, really uh, you know going with what the writers had kind of left him with, using some of the old school kind of gothic hammer horror um, techniques um, and bringing it to what was then a modern age. Um, the writer, as we said, was Bert Bat, and the producer was uh, Nelson Keyes. Um, all kind of delivering very uh, a solid outcome to the film. Um, so, final thoughts on the movie? Did you have any favourite moments within it? Um, I, I, my, for me, I love the I love Freddie Jones in it, yeah. where he's just going, "I'm a I, I, I'm allowed my revenge, aren't I?" Yeah. Well, he says something like that, and then he's just he just starts spraying like petrol all over the place yeah. yeah and I was just it was just gold I was I, yeah. I was on my edge of my seat the whole time for the, yeah. the last 10 minutes basically I think that was my sort of overall takeaway like I loved the whole film yeah. and mm. I think compared to all the other Hannah films that I've seen and enjoyed this was the one that got me sucked me in the most yeah. and it was mm. like no, you're not getting out of that chair you're finishing mm. this film and oh I'm quite scared now <laughs> moments and yeah. just great scenes with um Especially that bedroom scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was amazing. Mm. Some really great horror, like, shit scary moments. Yeah, yeah. I found that whole side at the beginning mm. quite terrifying. The, the skin suit. The operation yeah. was pretty good as well. Yeah, there. yeah that's right. <laughs> the well, sound effects are great. There's a, there's a lot of things that they did right mm. in this. Like, mm. you know, every time, and, like, I guess they were charged with up in the horror ante. I think they did that. It felt classier. Yeah. So many and a certain... Uh, what we're used to with modern horror too is that it does do that like you, mm-hmm. you start with a scare and then it, it drops slightly but then you, you brought something else yeah. and then something else and it builds up and builds up um, and they do that they're hitting the notes right mm-hmm. in this one I think in the in the past the, the some of the other Frankensteins have kind of build it up build up build up and then they've kind of had a bit of a letdown at yeah. the end and this well, one just kind of just was just it was just relentless once yeah. it started going at the end it was just like no, you know, you're yeah. in it until like the, the last frame, basically, that's until it. the credits roll, that's exactly and it was just bang. That's when it. That's when it finished. And I yeah. was like, I was sitting there watching the credits roll, expecting something else to happen. Yes. You know, I was like, surely, like they, you know, you're gonna see like somebody stumbling out of the building on fire, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, some kind of pre, like you know, uh, let's move into the next yeah, film. Next film, but that's let's set it up now. But I think this one, can, you know, it. it if it was a standalone film, mm. it would still be just as good. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's definitely, yeah, definitely the winner of the entire franchise. Mm. Thus far. Thus far. But, you Not know, maybe I've seen right. the others. That, uh, <laughs> no, 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 you need to give a listen. It's, it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I, like, I, I already said, I kind of gave the game away anyway. I said this was my favorite of the franchise as well. I really, I think it's a real uh, strong movie. Mm. Like, it would have just been better with Ralph Bates. Would it they? Would it they? We'll see. Well, that actually ties us on really nicely because the next instalment that we will talk about is uh, The Horror of Frankenstein, which is a reboot of the Frankenstein franchise, so to speak, starring Ralph Bates as the title of the character. It's a bit of a firewalk with me moment of, you know, let's do the series, then let's do the prequel film. <laughs> 
Are we going to be equally as let down with the prequel? Yeah. Uh, despite, despite the love. To be decided. <laughs> um, we hope you have enjoyed listening to our rants and ravings over this latest installment of the Frankenstein franchise. So do stick around uh, for the next discussions on the horror of Frankenstein. Once again, thank you to Miles Davies and thank you, Meredith. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> The Frankenstein edition, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed Discussions, was brought to you by the Hammer Horror Podcast Team. Your host, Paul Barrell, co-host Miles Davies and Meredith Murphy. Music supplied by Midnight Syndicate from their album Monsters of Legend, title called Building the Monster. Check out Midnight Syndicate at www.midnightsyndicate.com For more discussions from the Hammer Archives, check out our home address at www.hammerhorrorpodcast.com Or why not check us out on Facebook or Twitter? Until then, we'll see you next time.